0: This is the fourth week of our sermon series in Lent where we have been focusing on the colics of Thomas Cramner. The colleague this week states Grants, we beseech thee, Almighty God, that we who for our evil deeds do worldly deserve to be punished by the comfort of thy grace may mercifully be relieved. our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The theme that is strong from this collect is salvation from sin, namely salvation from sin, or I think as Thomas puts it well, unmerited comfort of thy grace and merciful relief through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Or I think as Luke puts it even better, In the text this morning, and that's what I want to unpack for us, is being in total and utter lostness, being in total and utter lostness, and then being found. Luke 15 is about the love of God coming into this parish. It's about the love of God coming into Somerville. It's about the love of God coming into Charleston It's about the love of God coming into our cities and suburbs of our world and finding lost sons and daughters. It is about the identity of Jesus Christ and the meaning of his mission in the world then and now. And so all of Luke, so this is what sets this up, just the very first verses that we heard read this morning. All of Luke 15 is a spoken answer to the accusation of the Pharisees and scribes in verse 2 that Jesus was what? I mean, what, what was driving them crazy? He was receiving, right? Receiving sinners. Tax collectors receiving. He was receiving them. Not only was he receiving them, what else was he doing? Good. He, he's he's dining. He's sitting at the table. He's belling up with them. And so the Pharisees and scribes they accuse him. And all the rest of this chapter is is just Jesus explaining to them and to us what is really happening. When he welcomes sinners and eats with them, that's what's happening. And the first answer is in verses 3 through 7. We're not going to go there this morning, but just in essence, verses 3 through 7, is his receiving sinners is like a shepherd who finds a lost sheep and celebrates with all of his friends. And the second answer is in verses 8 through 10, His receiving sinners is like a woman who finds a lost coin and what? Celebrates with all of her friends. And there's this pattern that begins to erupt. Now in verses 11 to 24, Jesus gives a third answer to the Pharisee's accusation. When he receives sinners and he eats with them, it is like a what? You know this story well. So I don't need to say a lot about it, but it is a, like a father who finds a lost son, and then he celebrates with all his house. All three parables have this in common, don't they? Find, and what? Celebrate. Find, celebrate. And that's what we see in our text this morning. And so what I want to unpack in just the next few minutes is four movements, what I call movements of God in our lostness, in our lostness, right? This story is about us. It's not just about a father and a son. This is a parable. You're in the parable, and you'll find yourself this morning, my prayer is, and we'll see four movements of God in our lostness. Here's the first movement, Jesus finds us in our loose living, loose living. Uh, I like the translation loose living, or what we see in the ESV, reckless living. Running away from God always starts by feeling free, doesn't it? And typically, 100% of the time, it ends in utter misery, either in this life or the life to come, or both. And so we look at verse 13. Not many days later, the young younger son, he gathered all that he had. He took a journey into a far country, and there he what? He squandered his property, and how did he do that? So there it is, right? Reckless living, loose living. He squandered it. There was this Wild abandonment. Right now we can all just reminisce about those wild abandonment days. <laughs> Can't we? This always feels free for a season. It's, it's like sky jumping, right? Feels free. It's great. And then you're like trying to pull the ripcord and it's not there. I don't have a parachute. <laughs> and I'm falling to the ground. Running from God feels free at first. Verse 14, he spends everything. Verse 15, what do you see him do next? He attaches himself to one of the citizens. Here's the spiritual lesson, at least practically speaking. If we break loose from God, you will attach yourself to something or someone. Always. Period. Period. Verse 16, no one was giving him anything. You and I, you and I were made to be filled with God. And if we run from him, if we take our little earthly inheritance of time and money and energy, and we use it to attach ourselves to other things other than God, It won't matter whether we are worth $9 billion. Our future will be swine food for all of eternity. You read me? So the second thing, the second movement, so not only does Jesus find us in our reckless living or what I call loose living, but Jesus meets us in our turning to him. What happens in verse 17? It's a beautiful thing. What happens? He comes to his senses. Literally, he comes to himself. His heart begins to turn, and the actions of what? Repentance begin. Notice he not only comes to himself, but he humbles himself. There is brokenness. There is this deep sense of unworthiness before God, verse 18. I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight, I am no longer what? It's that, underline that word, worthy. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Lostness is not something that we can make excuses for. We are guilty, right? That's what the colic teaches us. We're, We're guilty, we are rebels, Isaiah 53, verse 6. We have known our Father's will, and we've rejected it. And so repentance is this deep sense of how horribly offensive this is to God what I'm doing. And I have no rights before him at all. None. Zero. But not only is he humble and he's broken in a deep sense of unworthiness, but verse 17, what's he do? He casts himself on God's free provision of grace. God's free provision of grace. Here's a warning this morning. I want you to to hear me loud and clear. Because what's not happening in verse 17 is this slave-master relationship is now going to mend Right? I'm going to go back to the Father, and I'm going to work for him to get his approval again. You see what I'm saying, practically speaking? right? You're not here this morning working for some approval from God. He approves, and it's done. has nothing to do with what you're doing. He's not saying that I want to relate to God as some hired hand who earned things from God. And thus the generous father now becomes this wage employer. That's not what's happening here. The focus, listen to this, the focus is on this incredible bounty and generosity that he has so foolishly traded for fleeting pleasures of sin. That's what's happening. Repentance is believing that God is so great and so good that the smallest enjoyments of his house are better than 10,000 worlds without him. Amen? I would rather spend a 1,000 days in your courts than one day, what? Elsewhere. That's... A changed heart, and with that changed heart, what what happens? This is when it really becomes beautiful. This is where I just, I, you know, you put your dancing shoes on. The boy heads home. Third movement: Jesus celebrates in our return, our return, your return. And notice what happens. What what's the Father do? But more importantly, what is what is you need to you need to hear this because Jesus is saying this is what happens when sinners come home. And he uses all of these words intentionally. Look at him. He sees what? The father sees the son coming from what 100 feet, 10 feet, right? Knock on the door, he answers it? No. afar. Before anyone sees, God sees he feels compassion. He runs, right? Q chariots of fire, <laughs> right? He's running. He's meeting his son. I mean, can you imagine? He, he, Jesus is using all these words. He's painting this wonderful picture. Here's the father running to the son. This, this father who has this incredible, expansive estate, Right? He's girding up his loins, his robe. He's running. right? Can you, can you see this? A man of dignity running. Right? You know of people that you're like, I just can't see him running. I, I don't see that guy running at all. <laughs> right? He's running. He embraces him. Not only that, but get this, this. This is where father, children, I don't know if this is the way it was, in your relationship with your parents, he what? He kisses him. God is pure. God is physical. He doesn't hold you at arm's length at all. Jesus is waiting. And he's wanting you to feel what's happening. He's, he's again, using these words intentionally. Father's kissing him. And not only that, he, he robes him. Ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. It is unrestrained restoration of this child. (laughs) And it is incredible what's happening. And you fathers and mothers in this room, you're you're feeling this, I hope, as you think about your own children and what you would be like. And then comes my favorite of all favorites. There's what? There's food and wine. Right? It's break out the tomato pie. (laughs) Sea crab soup for everybody. Right? Oyster roast. Let's do it. Everybody's invited. Or in Kansas, it's the fatted calf. (laughs) We're more biblical, sorry. It's food and wine and you need to know this is the gospel. This is the gospel. This son of mine was dead. He's come to life again. He was lost, and he's been found, and you would think, uh, right? I mean, this would be just end of story. (laughs) Happily ever after, right? But no, Jesus has more to the story of the parable, and this is where it becomes convicting to me. Because the fourth movement is Jesus seeks lost legalists too. Or maybe to put it in, in another way, Jesus seeks the religious as well. Because Jesus goes beyond explaining what he's doing with tax collectors and sinners, and he starts to explain what he's doing with what? Pharisees and scribes. This is why I'm with you as well, because there's this older brother here in the parable who I think represents the Pharisees and the scribes, and Jesus is saying, not only do I receive tax collectors and sinners, but I'm here to receive the religious. You are in the story. You feeling it? The problem is this older brother related to his father as a slave to a master, not as a son to a father. His father was merely a command giver, and he was what? The command keeper. I've done all that you've asked me to do, and this is what I get in return. Merit Not mercy was the foundation of the relationship. And mercy to the undeserving made him what? Spitting mad. He's out on the porch. And so what does the father do in this case? My question for us as fathers is what would you do, right? Because this has happened probably in your family, right? You've had a child come to you. You didn't do that for me. And our reply is, you're going to get back in there and you're going to make it right. I don't care what I've done for you, right? Not Jesus. Notice how he responds. The father in this case moves toward him and entreats. That word entreat, there in verse 28, means plead. He's pleading, he's wooing, he's appealing. He's not yearning and commanding. He does not want performance from the older son. He wants a new heart. He calls him my child. He says, you are always what? This is key. I would would underline this, highlight it, circle it. He says, you are with me. With me. You're with me. What's the problem with the older son? He isn't with the Father. The deepest void in the elder son's heart was that this was not precious to him. Being with the Father every night for supper, running the estate together, was no longer a joy. Here's where the robber meets the road. How many times are we here on Sunday morning, but we're not here? You hear it? You get it? That's what he's saying to the Pharisees and the scribes. I'm with you, but you're not with me. You sit in the pews, and your hearts are somewhere else. It's dinner. It's football. It's whatever. And I'm just as guilty. This is why it's so convicting to me, because there are times where I'm just not here. Jesus says, I'm here. I'm with you it seems that perhaps the elder son really loved what the younger son used to love. But didn't have the guts to leave the estate. In fact, Jesus says in Luke 16, 14, that the Pharisees were what? Just a few verses later, lovers of money. He really wanted to party with his friends and not with the father. Oh, how many people stay in the church but do not have hearts that are with the Father. He's not their treasure. They're just as worldly as the prodigal was, but the church is the cover. So here you go. Here's just application, four sentences. Where do you find yourself in the story? Where do you find yourself in the story Perhaps you've been lost and you've been found for years. You are a mature Christian. You love Christ. He's your treasure. My question is, who are you receiving this morning? Who am I receiving? Who's Corey receiving in my house? Who am I dining with these days? Who are you receiving? Who are you sharing this glorious gospel with? In this Lenten season, may we know the comfort of grace, the merciful relief through our Lord and Jesus Christ, our Savior.